my favorite song. If you only knew the background for that song, my friend uh, composed that song, Booth Cliven. In a cornfield one night with his elbows out and on his knees out there in prayer, God gave him this song. And I think it's one of the, it's matchless for this day when the deity of Jesus Christ is denied to so many uh, formal believers that he was no more than just a man, just a prophet. He was Emmanuel. And I'm so thankful, and it was so beautifully did by our sister. I hope I'm not imposing, and I asked Brother Joseph, he would ask her tonight before it comes to platforms to sing, Then Jesus Came. I would be very happy to hear it tonight. And that just got my soul thrilled. I changed my text right now from what I'm preaching. I am happy to be here as always. I am very happy. I hope I'm not doing anything wrong at this time. But I have a very good friend here, which is a Methodist minister. And it's Brother John O'Banion from Louisville, Kentucky. Would you mind just standing to your feet just a minute, Brother O'Banion? I don't know what to make you conspicuous, but Brother O'Banion, so you can see how the Methodists and Baptists get along down the southern part of the state. <laughs> We're very happy to have him here. And a very good friend of mine who just had a healing campaign for his brother. Uh, at, um, I believe it, I'm not for sure. What was the name of that place in Kentucky? Pardon? Sacramento, Kentucky. And they were just had a marvelous time down there in that little city. And we're expecting God to do great things with the Methodist people, to pour out his spirit upon them again and give them another old-fashioned revival like they had in the days of, of Whitfield and Wesley and back in those days. And they were the latter rain of that day. That's right. They were the latter rain then. When the Baptists come along, they were the latter rain to them. It just keeps moving on down. And now I guess we're all latter rain to the rest of them. After a while, maybe if Jesus carries, there'll be more and more. But all through the ages and through the generations, God has always had a people, someone who would trust him and believe him. And we're so happy that he has. Now, tonight, I believe, is the healing service, and this is usually on the afternoon when they just uh, let me come to the platform and and speak a little while. Uh, I am not a preacher, it's what you call a preacher. I'm I just, um, what you call a spare car, you know. That is, when you have a flat, then you put your spare car on. Now, we haven't got a flat because we got some good preachers here, but uh, I just usually fill in the afternoon. It relaxes me to speak, you know, what I do know about the Lord Jesus, and I don't know too much scripture, and I'm not a theologian by a long ways, and I don't know very much of theology, but I I know the author of this book, Jesus Christ, and, and I love him, and my education is limited, and my words are very poor, my grammar, and I, you'll excuse that, I'm sure. This reminds me, here at Fort Wayne some time ago, there was a man where this song of Paul Rader used to be here in this city. I think that was about the last great revival that Chicago's ever had a real city shaken revival in the days of Paul Rader and, uh, or Moody or some of those. And 
He wrote that famous song, Only Believe, and it's in my theme song. I never heard it until one night I come in, and I didn't know that Paul had written this song, and my pianist was playing it, and it just struck my heart. I've used it and all across the country as the campaign you hear the people sing. I remember one time in Arkansas, I was standing there at the San Peck Hotel, and was having a marvelous great meeting. It's been six or seven years ago, and there's no one else on the field at that day, and the pencil was hanging everywhere, you know, and we was having a marvelous time. And I stepped out. I had to go down the back way to get to the minister, so he'd take me for dinner. And so I started down the elevator, and the little colored boy stand out there, put these keys around, and only believe, only believe, all things are possible, only believe. And I went out, went out through the back way and down the alley, went out kind of lower part of the city, there was a mother rocking a baby down there saying, only believe, only believe, all things are possible. I happened to notice there's some boys playing marvel. A little fella got down on his knees, he was good and tucking, he stopped and hit the marvel, he got up and dusted off his trousers, he said, only believe, only believe, all things are possible. <laughs> I thought it was real cute how the songs and things that you sing and how the Lord has been very good and I'm just thinking of some time when it's all over and we come together so we're not nervous, we're in no hurry or anything, and we can just um, have a relaxing time. In this place where Mr. Rader, as I was starting to say, I wrote this song, there was a scholar coming in and he said, Brother Brandon, he said, your grammar is very poor. And I said, yes, sir, that's right. And then he said, oh, I noticed some of your... Uh, dramatic mistakes tonight said oh it was terrible and I said yes sir I didn't get much education I said I was raised in a very poor family ten children and I said I was the oldest and I had to make a living for the rest of them he said well that's no excuse now he said you're a man and I said well that's right too but I said since the Lord sent me out to pray for sick I'm never alone enough to study grammar I said I just I have to pray for the sick and he said oh but you could take a correspondence and now for instance tonight I heard you use a word that he said, you said, all you people now come up on the pulpit here. He said, why, did you know them people appreciate you more than you said pulpit instead of pulpit? I said, well, brother, I don't know where you were or not. <laughs> I said, I believe what them people want me to do is to live the right kind of life and produce what I'm talking about. They don't care whether I say pulpit or pulpit. That's how it is. The old saying is the proof of the pudding is eating there of it. And I'm not trying to support my ignorance for that. <laughs> I wish I did know a better words and grammar, but if it's taken anything away from Jesus, I'd rather know Jesus anytime. And knowing that the power, as Paul said, and the power of his resurrection. I know sitting before me, like every person here, is a dark pit sitting there before every one of us. Every time our heart beats, we're going one closer deep to that pit. That's called death. Every man shall have to come to that place someday. Jesus has. And when my nearness draws to that place and I know I'm going in there, I won't care what I'm saying, pulpit or pulpit. I don't care what my grammar is, but I won't know this one thing. I know this one thing. I know him in the power of his resurrection. That when he calls from among the dead, I want to come out from among them that's going to be called out. Now, this afternoon before we can lay these lids down the Bible like that, of course. But to open it, no man is worthy. The Bible said, I believe John searched the heavens, and there was no one worthy to take the book, open it, loose the seals of it, or anything. But there was a lamb from the, been slain from the foundation of the earth. He was the one that was able 
to take the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne and to open it to the people. And now, while this little group of people is gathered here, just a oh, couple hours before maybe the healing service starts, now I thought to tap off the radio here, the broadcast, I'll come down and speak for you a little bit, enjoy these songs. I'll hurry right back, stay in prayer, and come back after a while, pray for the sick. You pray for me. It's, I tell you, Brother Joseph was talking about phone calls. Mm-hmm. Well, no wonder my wife is gray-headed at 34. <laughs> See, she don't only stand the phone calls that come to the house, but she has to meet the public standing on And so it certainly is a job. And now, um, it is, you have to keep dead to yourself. The other day, my boy, he's in here somewhere, he's just a kid, 18 years old. And so he, he was sitting in a place somewhere, and they, some of the young folks in there over at Wood River, and they playing one of these little old machine boxes, you know, it plays this little old music you have out there. Well, I never even noticed the stuff when it's playing. <laughs> so somebody was playing it, and I noticed his eyes brightening up, and he's watching the kids, you know, what they were doing. Of course, he's just a kid, he'd do that. And he said, is that pretty, Daddy? I said, what? <laughs> he said, that's wrong. And I said, oh, I wasn't noticing. <laughs> and so he said, Dad, you know what? He said, you've just become dead to everything but Jesus Christ. And I said, that's right. That's right. That's right. Just become dead to everything. I said, nothing has a sound but Christ Jesus. And let me say that way. I only want to know him. That's all. Know him is life. Is that right? And now, uh, may the Lord bless you. And I'll try my best tonight to do everything that I can to talk to our Lord Jesus to heal all the sicknesses in your midst. Here's something that's been on my heart for 24 hours. I don't know whether it's the Lord or not. It's never come to vision. That's what I watch is the vision. Then I've got just say it's the Lord. But this has been impressed on my heart. I spoke with Billy today at the hotel about it. Our meetings are too short. We just come, even our meetings when we stay five nights, that's still too short. I'd like to come to a city this size and stay a month or two, see? And just go to a place here, because most of the time, just about time you say this will take place and that will take place, but you're gone. Mr. Brewer called me from the Peace River, or not Peace River, but the Wood River, and he said, Brother Branham, we have taken you on tape recording. And said, and everything that you said while under inspiration, the different things that was going to take place, that everything has absolutely fulfilled to the dollar. See? Well, it's God. He said, just come back, just one night, just one night. Say, could you come tomorrow night? That was tonight. I said, no, in Chicago. And um, now my meetings has never been able to be set up because like it ought to be, like Brother Roberts' man does, because Brother Roberts has his meetings set two and three years ahead. And he goes to the city, he can stay there until it's over. And that's all. He can stay as long as he wants to. But he's meetings for two or three weeks at a time, sometimes six weeks at a time. But mine, I can be right in the midst of a meeting. He'll give me a vision, send me somewhere else, and just walk right out and leave it. Okay? So it's... I can't have meetings like those men. They, uh, they, of course, they're doing just what God told them to do, I believe. That's their, to do that. My ministry, I've been riding meetings where people be packed and jammed stand on the street, and an hour's time be on the road somewhere else. See? If wherever he calls me, I have to go right down. I had a group of ministers usually, all they were about tearing to pieces over the years. I said, oh, Brother Ben, you can't leave. I said, oh, yes. God first. See, I must go. And he said, well, what about if God told us to set this meeting here? I said, God had a meeting down one time down in 
Philip was up preaching and the Samaritans were being saved in great joy and power and the Lord called him aside to talk to one man, a eunuch of Ethiopia. Is that right? And never did return to the city anymore. See? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Is that right? Heart into the fast of rain. Now, shall we bow our heads just a moment while we talk to the author of the book? Now, our most kind Heavenly Father, we address thee today in thy great uh, Son's name, Jesus Christ, the Beloved One. And we ask thee, kind Heavenly Father, that while we are gathered here in this few moments now for a little uh, a jubilee time of speaking of the Word, may the Holy Spirit take the Word of God and reveal it to each of us just as we have need of it. Bring it, Lord. He is the only one who can do this. We may open the book, but you're the only one who can interpret the book. So I pray thee, Father, that you'll speak to every heart and circumcise every ear to hear and circumcise the lips to speak. And may the curtains of care of this world be drawn down now that nothing will be in our minds but the Lord Jesus Christ and his coming and his power and his deity. May it just be so real to us this afternoon that the saints' hearts will be rejoiced, that sinners will be condemned and will repent, and sick people may be healed. Grant it, Lord, that we might leave from here tonight with our hearts full of joy and power, rejoicing and thanking you for these blessings. For we ask them in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now we'll just take a few moments of the time. We're just about, I'm about a half hour late to what I told Billy I'd go back to the hotel from now. But I will hurry right quick now and just speak to you a few moments as you pray. Now I want to read some scripture found here that I changed my mind after I heard Sister saying. Uh, I want to read from St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter, and beginning with the 41st verse. A very familiar scripture to most all Bible readers. It's Jesus Christ speaking, and his word is so real, and his word is so eternal. Everything in the earth and heavens will vanish, but his word will remain forever. When God has once said anything, it will remain forever. It cannot be altered. You know, a king's word is not altered. You know that. Like in the, when the, a nation is controlled by a king, it's not politics to play there. The king has said so, and it must be carried out. That settles it. And when God speaks, it must be carried out. There's no altering, playing politics. It's got to be taken out, just exactly the way he said it. For it's once spoken, it's established forever in glory. So when we read his word, it's eternal and will never cease to exist. I believe his word with all my heart, all my soul, all my life, all I am. I just hang on to his word. I believe it's forever the truth. Now listen to our Lord Jesus here and the 41st verse of the 22nd chapter of the Gospel according to St. Matthew. And while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What thank you of Christ? Whose son is he? They said unto him, The son of David. And he said unto them, How then does David in spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Set thou on my right hand, till I make mine Make thine enemies my footstool. If David then called him Lord, how is he his son? 
No man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. I want to take the subject, if it would be called a text, what thinks he of Christ? Now that's a very flat thing to give to a congregation of people, yet it must be settled. God is going to judge you for your attitude towards Jesus Christ. No man, hell wasn't made for Christians. Hell was made for unbelievers. And God has did everything that he can to keep people to bypass hell so that you won't have to go there. He sent the law, he sent the prophets, he sent his son, he sent the Holy Spirit, he sent the churches, the hymns, the everything to try to keep you from going to hell. Hell was not made for people. Hell was created for the devil and his angels, not for human beings. But if you go, it's because you willfully and want to go, and you can't go easy. You have to fight your way into it. Did you know that? You can't go to hell easy. You have to fight your way to it. I used to think when I was a little boy, and how the first little story you, a little girl either, that ever told your mother is a conscience that said, don't do this little boy, that's wrong. Don't do that. Remember when you smoked that little corn-soaked cigarette out behind the old fireplace and eat some coffee to keep mother from smelling on your breath? Have you been smoking? No, mama. And the conscience began to say, don't do this, that's wrong. Then you wait over that, and the next thing you know, you pass for the church. You hear the hymns, you hear the preaching. Every red light God flashes before you, you just break the barriers down and go right on. No pay attention to the conscience, nothing else. Then say, God sent a person to hell? No, you sent yourself. That's right. You went on your own accord. God told every red light in front of you he could, and you just kept moving right on headlong. You determined to do it. As the red light hanging down here in the city, if you run through that red light, the city's not responsible for you. You did it on your own will. That's right. So then God has done everything that he can to keep people and to bring them to him and love them. Now, this old, old question of Christ, the virgin birth, how did it ever happen? Some time ago, I was up in the mountains. I just moved up there. Going, I was going to go bear hunting. And I was going along the side of a cliff, and there was a cowboy come riding along. I looked around. I heard a horse. And I was packing a, an elk, and he said, uh, hello. And I said, how do you do? He said, what are you packing? I said, I'm packing an elk. He said, I don't want to call you a liar, but you're packing a cow. I said, well, I'm fast enough to know that a cow doesn't have dew claws to drop that low and near his appointed hoof. And so he said, well, he said, what are, you, what are you? And I said, well, I'm going back there hunting. I said, I'm looking for a fellow by the name of Jeffrey. He said, I'm that fellow. I said, yes, well, you're supposed to, the ranger told me to direct you to a cow camp. And I said, from now I'm to go to Pearl Peak. He said, well, can you ride? I said, a little bit. He said, let's call up back here. So I got on there and he said, um, went around. He said, well, where are you from? I said, Indiana. And uh, he said, what's your occupation? I said, a preacher. He said, a what? <laughs> and I said, a preacher. He said, you look too intelligent for that. <laughs> I said, well, I've seen them uh, Westerners are rather rough talking sort of people, flat but lovely people. And well, I said, sir, I think that's the mark of intelligence. <laughs> and he said, uh, oh, I said, I guess you believe that story about Jesus Christ, or what they call him. I said, yes, sir. And said, you believe that virgin birth? I said, yes, sir. He said, if I prove that that's a lie, will you believe it? I said, you couldn't do it. There's no way at all for you to do it. He said, I he said, a person that's got real good sound thinking mind will know that was an error. 
Well, I said, then I guess he had Christ and he's not having a sound thing in mind. I said, because I believe it is the truth, just as true as it can be. And he said, well, now, I want to ask you something. He said, to begin with, I want to state myself that I'm an infidel. He said, I don't believe in anything about God or nothing else. I don't believe there is such a creature. And I said, oh, you don't. I said, then you are really in a bad shape. And he said, uh, he said well, sir, I want to tell you something. I said, you mean a man can live out here in this beautiful place and tell me you don't believe in God? He said, no, I believe it's just a story like you tell the children at Christmas time, Santa Claus. I said, oh, no, you sure got on the wrong foot, buddy. I said, I hate to disagree with you, but I said, I'll do it because I know that you're wrong and you're a human being and you've got just as much right to heaven as anyone else and you've just simply got your mental thinking cap on backwards, that's all. I said, you're just not got the thing fixed up right. And he said, oh, I said, yes, I have, but you're the ones all mixed up. I said, well, now's a good time. We're by ourselves about 20 miles of riding today. I said, plenty of time to think it over. He said, well, I want to tell you something. He said, the first place that absolutely could not be sold. And I said, well, why couldn't And he said, well, we'll settle up the principle of first of the virgin birth. I said, that's just a good thing to talk about. I said, you never get the virgin birth straight now, you've got Christianity straight now. And he said, well, I want to tell you something. He said, it's absolutely impossible for a female to bear without the contact of a male. I said, that's correct. <laughs> I said, I believe that. He said, then how could this female, Mary, have a baby without being with a man? I said, God was the father of this baby. <laughs> and he said, well, how could it? And you say, God is a spirit. I said, that's what he is. And he, he was the one who created the blood cell in the womb of the woman that brought forth the son Christ Jesus. He said, oh, impossible. said, it's impossible. said, the woman is just a little ship. I like one of the fine, I've got a book at home talking of a fine Baptist seminary who teaches the same things today that Jesus Christ was a German soldier's son. That Mary was absolutely, and that's in a seminary now. Now you can see how far away from God we're getting. That's right. And said, it was all possible that that was true. And uh, being illegitimate, giving his wits and so forth like that, and a lot of the artists think he had blonde hair and so forth like that, the thinkers and so forth, but it's ever been alive. So I said, I want to ask you something. I said, you mean that, that God couldn't create that blood cell? He said, no. First place there is no such a thing as God. He gave me his theory of it, you know, about how the moon and stars come together and the sun and the ethics of Darwin and how this little evolution started and all these little polywogs begin to lose their tails and got legs and begin to walk. And I said, well, whatever happened, if all of a sudden become man, what happened to the polywogs then? There wouldn't be any more polywogs. So he said, I said, I want to ask you something. Will you believe, will you admit to me now that this baby... Jesus had a mother, we know that, according to the writings, we're saying according to the Bible. Now, he had a mother, but it's absolutely unscientific to say that he could be born without she had contact with an earthly man. He said, that's exactly right. I said, I want to ask you something, young. How did the first man get here without father or mother? Let it be tadpole, monkey, whatever you're going to be. According to your statement, you had to have a father and a mother. Friends, I'm telling you, some people so narrow-minded you can put a lead pencil between your eyes and blind them. That's right. They, they, they just don't look at both sides. They just get some little theory and run away with it. You have to stop and look the thing over. According to that, then how did the first man get there? According to science, you had to have a father and a mother. And who was it? That's what I want to know. When he answers that, when he answers that, I'm ready for it. He rolled on a little bit farther. 
Never said a word. He just sat still and rode on a little piece ahead of me, kept his horse and come back and put his arm around me. Said, I believe you believe that preacher. I said, I sure do. He said, I lift up my head into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. His father was a Baptist preacher. He's a Christian himself. He just wanted to see whether I believed it or not. There you are. Oh, brother, I'm telling you, it pays to stand on what you know to be the truth. Yes, sir, the world's are watching you. Stand exactly on your conditions and be ready to give a man an answer at any time. Like the old saying, uh, which was the first, the hen or the egg? You've heard that now, the hen or the egg. Which was the first? That the hen had to come from the egg, and it was the egg here first, and the egg couldn't be here without the hen. Well, that's easy. God created the hen, the hen laid the egg, and that's where it started. That's just as easy as anyway. That's not no questions that. People give those little theories and little things like that. There's really nothing to it. But now, the main thing is who was this son of God? Now, just like a, it's coming springtime now, and we know that the blood comes from the male, we, it won't be long now till the birds are out here making their nests. I was watching today, little sparrows take a, a weeds off the street and taking it to the, up in the uh, gutters and things at the hotel, making their nests. There'll be a many old mother birds that'll make a nest up there and lay a nest full of eggs that'll never hatch because she hasn't been with the male bird. She can lay the eggs, Hen can lay an egg, but if she hasn't been with the male bird, it will never hatch. It just lays right there, it, it rocks out the nest. And the old mother bird can sit on that nest until she gets so poor she can't get off the nest. Just so starve herself to death, a baby in those eggs and turn them over, waiting for them to hatch, but they'll never hatch. There is nothing in them to hatch. There's no life in them. It reminds me of how these old coal farmer churches. You can take them in, make deacons out of them, CDs out of them, and everything else. But if you hadn't been with Christ Jesus and born again with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they'll never believe the supernatural of God. There's nothing in them to believe with. They're dead to start with. Just got a farm of godliness but denying the power thereof. That's exactly right. The best thing to do is clean out the mess and start over again. That's right. Instead of taking them in by a letter of membership, get them down to the altar and let them pray to you till God puts their names on the Lamb's Book of Life, then they'll stay there. Then they'll bring forth fruit when they've been born again of the Spirit of God. Now, if I had to put Jesus today on that and on each individual, where you'll have to stand is what your opinion is about Jesus Christ. What think you of Christ? Whose son is he? Let's call a few characters here in a few moments. And just ask about whose son he is. What if I call up his arch enemy? Let's let his enemies testify of him first. His arch enemy is Judas Isaac, the one of the trading, and done him so ill, and sold him for thirty pieces of silver. Let's take him up there, Judas, and ask Judas what you think about him. Judas, when he sees him standing there in Pilate's judgment hall, he's taking the thirty pieces of silver and sold them at the priest's feet and said, I betrayed innocent blood, and was gentleman enough to take a rope and hang himself. It'd be a lot better if some of these guys that had him, less gentlemen about it, than Judas had. Go hang themselves. And then they he hung himself on a sycamore tree. Let's see Pilate, the man who washed his hands. He's standing there and he's condemning Jesus. He's ready to pronounce judgment and to find favor with some Roman emperor. And there he is standing there ready to pass judgment saying, Perform a miracle. Let's see you do something. Who are you? Speak for yourself. And the Lamb of God never even opened his mouth and said a word. He just stood there. And the first thing you know, I hear a horse coming down the street at a gallop. First thing you know, a boy jumps off the horse and runs up, hands him a little piece of paper, lets up over his shoulder, and notice Pilate, he turns white. He catches his breath. He loses his strength. He begins to knees knock together. Let's look over his shoulder and see what's red on it. Have nothing to do with this just man. A pagan wife. 
For I've suffered many things because of him today in a dream. There Pilate said, bring me some water. Let me wash my hands first. See to it. I have nothing to say in this matter. Now that's his enemy testifying of him. That's right. Look at the Roman soldier that stood there and pierced his heart with his sword or his spear. When he looked up there and he saw the earth turning black and the uh, buildings were shaken, the temple rent the veil from top to bottom, he told his hand over his heart and said, Truly, that was the Son of God. Yes, sir, his arch enemies there are testifying. Let's ask some of his friends. Let's call Adam back today from out of the land of the blessed to where he is. Adam, what do you think about this man? What think you of Christ? Whose son is he? Adam would say, it's the seed of the woman that was to crush the serpent's head, if Adam could testify. Let's call another man by the name of Moses, a very outstanding character of the Bible, the greatest of all the prophets. He was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, the priest and the king and the lawgiver, a very perfect type. Never a man talked to God outside of Christ himself like Moses. No prophet, no time. Let's see what Moses would say if he could stand today. He'd say, The Lord your God shall rise up a prophet like unto me, and it shall come to pass that any who will not hear him shall be cut off from among the people. That's who Moses thought he was. Let's ask Ezekiel, that great prophet Ezekiel. Come here, Ezekiel. Come down out of your glory. And what think ye of Christ, Ezekiel? Ezekiel said, When I saw him, he was a wheel in the middle of the wheel, standing way in the middle of the air. In other words, the whole creation was revolved around that hub in the wheel. Every spoke, every rim, everything else depended on the hub in the wheel. The wheel in the middle of the wheel, way in the middle of the air. I call Isaiah. He was one of the major prophets. Let's see what he'd say about him. Isaiah, what thinks he is Christ? Whose son is he? Isaiah was a major prophet. He wrote a Bible in itself. There's 66 books in, the, in Isaiah, 66 chapters in Isaiah, 66 books in the Bible. He starts off with creation like Genesis, right in the middle of the book where the New Testament came. John the Baptist comes up, and then in the end, he ends in the millennium. Bill houses in the heavens, plant vineyards and eat thereof. He wrote a whole Bible. He is one of the prophets that God got to the top of the neck and raised him up, let him see from the end to the beginning, then the beginning to the end, back and forth. And Isaiah wrote it. What think ye of Christ? Isaiah, he is saying, Why, unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Counselor, Prince of Peace, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. That's what he'd say. That's right. He wouldn't be like some of these theologians today. He's clashing down just as a mere man or a teacher or a philosopher. I've called Daniel. Daniel, that great prophet who saw the beginning of the, of the time and thought down to the to an image, surely he saw Jesus in there somewhere. If he saw the beginning with the head of gold, King Nebuchadnezzar in the Gentile kingdom, he saw the Medes and Persians and the brass and so forth out into the Roman Empire and to his coming. What think ye of Christ? Now, Daniel, you great prophet of God's mighty and power, what think ye of Christ? He'd say, I see all the world's image. I saw it stand there, and then I beheld it. A stone cut out of a mountain without hands that rolled into Babylon, crushed it, and become like a uh, thrash in the floor with a staff on it, and a wind come and blow it away, and it came into a great mountain that covered all the earth, the sea, and the sky. That's what he thought of him, the stone that was spewed out of the mountain without hands. Daniel, the great prophet. Now, let's ask another one who ought to be, really, let's ask John the Baptist. What do you think of him, John the Baptist? If John could come down on the scene today and stand on this platform and testify, John would say, I knew him not. 
But he that told me in the wilderness, go baptize with water, set upon him, you also see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the one that will baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. He would testify for him and give a witness of who he was. I think the best authority that there is that we know of would be his mother. Don't you think so? If any woman ought to know who the baby belongs to, the mother ought to. Is that right? Mary, let's call you down this afternoon and ask you what you think about Christ's two sons. You're the mother. You ought to know. You ought to know all about it. I can hear the little person say, I knew not a man. Hallelujah. But one day when I was walking from the pump from the virgin well with a bucket of water on my shoulders, an angel appeared before me and said, Fear not, Mary. Hail, blessed art thou among women. Said it, the Holy Ghost had overshadowed me, and that holy thing that would be born in me would be called the Son of God. I believe that's what he is. The Son of God, the virgin born Son of the living God. I think that that ought to be an authority. Don't you think so? What do you think, Mary? Whose son is he? She said it's the Son of God. I think the final authority ought to be that that's Almighty God Himself. Let's see from Him now who He says. Out down on the Mount Transfiguration one day, when there was Peter, James, and John standing there, while He was overshadowed with a cloud, and a voice spoke out of it and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That sealed it once forever for me, as far as I'm concerned. That settles it. He was the Son of God, and not the Son of Joseph. That settled it forever. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hallelujah. He is the Son of God. What can he? They said he's the Son of David. He was the Son of David by the first, but he was the Son of God by spirit and by birth. He is the virgin-born Son of God. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. When all around my soul gives away, then he's all my hope and faith. For on Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. You'd ask me, preacher, what you stand there throwing about? Why don't you tell us what you think about him? Oh, most happily will I do it. Yes, sir. Let me tell you what I think about him. I think in his birth he was wonderful. So he came to you by the way of a stable door and went out to capital punishment. Yet there's never been a birth whose potentate came, whatever it might be. There's never been a birth to compare with it and never will be. He was a virgin born son of the living God. When he was born, he, when he was in his wisdom, he was matchless. There was no one could match his wisdom. As a preacher, never a man spoke like this said that any come to see him. That's right. As a healer, he was divine. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. In his death, he was my redeemer. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. When he was here on earth, he looked like God. He acted like God. He said he was God. He lived like God. He preached like God. He died like God. He rose like God. He proved he was God. Hallelujah. That's who he was. That's what I think about him. Every man that's ever mounted to a hill of beans in this life has been a man who trusted him and knows he was the son of the living God. He incarnated Jehovah here on earth. Yes, sir. No water down from his glory, ever living story. My Lord and Savior came as Jesus was his name. Certainly he was born in a manger to his own ascendant. The God of sorrow, tears, and agony, how God punished him and brought himself down into a form of flesh to redeem mankind and to heal mankind and to make the life pleasure while we were living here to take it to the glory. Why, every man that's ever lived at Mount anything believed that with all their hearts. Let's call some of the great poets on the scene today, authors and inspired men. Every man that ever had an ounce of inspiration had to be given to that man, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Let's ask Eddie Newton what you think about him when he was back there and he was all down. He'd been a drunk and a neurotic and everything else. They told him, he said, well, one day inspiration struck him. He grabbed his pen. He wrote, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see this grace that taught me to fear great my fears relieve. How precious did the grace appear the hour I first believed. Let's ask Gilmore, what do you think about him? He was a restless man. He's always in England over here in different places. What do you think about him? One day when inspiration struck him in Christ comes to his heart. He said, I've anchored my soul in a haven of rest. I'll sail the wild sea no more. The tempest may sweep over the wild stormy but in Jesus I'm safe evermore. Hallelujah. Let's ask Hawkins, what do you think about it? Or uh, Charles Wesson. Let's ask you what. One day he sang down the storm coming up. He was out on the beach of storms, blowing a little sparrow into his bosom. He tucked him on the inside. And he kept him in there as the storm was always setting him on his little fingers like that and a little sail through his wings into the sky, into the sunlight. Faith struck down in his bosom till after the storm was over. He wrote, Rock of ages, press for me. Let me hide myself in thee. While the arrow waters roll, while the tempest really high. That's what uh, Wesley would say about him. That's what John Wesley would say, or Charles Wesley, rather, the great poet and songwriter. And now, let's ask Hoskins, what would you think? Or ask old Mason, what would you think? Here's what he would say. My faith looks up to thee, thou Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine. Now hear me while I pray, take all my guilt away, and let me come this day be holy thine. Oh, what do you think of Christ tonight, audience? What do you think of him today as a healer? What do you think of him today as a master's one? I believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His power, that was Eddie Pruitt, let's ask him. He was a man who was considered, they told him he was crazy. And one day while standing in his room, uh, inspiration struck him. He grabbed the pen, and God let him write the inauguration. Come at the coming of the Lord Jesus. He said, oh, hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Oh, my! Oh, blind Fanny Crosby, what do you think of Christ? Whose son is he? He was blind. You never saw daylight. You don't know daylight from dark. What do you know about him? She said, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While others are calling, do not pass me by. Thou the stream of all my comfort, more than life to me. Whom have ours beside thee? Whom in heaven but thee? Another wrote, Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. Someday he's coming, oh glorious day. Chicago, I ask you to ask me, what thinks me of Christ? Whose son is he? In his resurrection power, when he walked here on earth, he saw visions, he done miracles, he performed things. And he said, these things that I do tell you also, nightly you see those things performed right here in the church. What's your opinion of Jesus Christ? He's the son of the living God. Isn't he that right? I could ask today, Dwight Moody, what do you think of Jesus Christ when he was dying there? He was asked that question, I believe, when he was dying. And he said, is this death? He said, this is my coronation day. Hallelujah. I said, your lives of greatness. Oh, remind us, we can make our lives sublime. The parties leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. Footprints that perhaps another sailing over life's column means for a forlorn and shipwrecked brother's scene shall take heart again. 
My brother, my sister, what thinks he is Christ? It's an individual question. It's a personal question to every one of you. Let's not reject him in our generation. Let's accept him as a virgin-born son of God. Build our hopes on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Let's stand there and give our testimony. Tell the world what we think about him, who he is, what he is, and what he is to us. What would I do when laying out in the hospital? That male brothers they looked at me and said, Well, you haven't got very much longer to stay here. What could I think of Christ? He who comes to me that night in the vision when they said it's impossible, Reverend Lamb, for you to ever come out. But in his amazing grace, he comes to me and said, Don't fear, I'm with you. And you're going to preach gospel. Hallelujah. If I should ask little Georgie Carter laying down there, what thinks he of Christ? Laying there nine years and eight months without even a speck of hope, and Jesus came along and made her perfect well. What if I could call you Howard Cable from here in Indianapolis, a drunken sock laying out under the fly blows on him when he's laying in the ballroom? When he walked down into the bottom of his church for the Democratic rally and showed his own mother's picture on the crap heap down there, tears roll down out of his eyes. What they give Christ, Christ rose him up and he saved thousands of souls. That drunkard, what God did for him, it's amazing grace to what he did for our tales. Not only that, but every man and woman in here wretched by you've been a prostitute on the street, woman, if it hadn't been for Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Man, I don't know what would become of you. I'd have been dead and in my grave a long ago, and many of you would be the same if it wasn't our faith was anchored in Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God. What thinks he of Christ? He's the Son of the living God. Oh, how I love him. How I adore him. How matchless and how lovely he is. May his blessings ever share upon you. Now I pray tonight that his Holy Spirit will be poured upon you people here, and a great signs and wonders will take place in this building tonight. What thinks he of Christ? Whose son is he? How could he be a son of a man and do such things? How he served the world. Everything that has ever happened, every civilization combined. Every coin of money that's worth anything really has the name of God upon him. Every nation that is recognizes God has become a civilization and the other has become heathens and pagans. Every place a woman's respected is where, is where God is used in Jesus Christ as believers the Son of God. In other nations where God and Jesus do not recognize women's morals no more than a cow, they bring them down the street to a dozen and swap them and everything else as women and wives and things like that. Only respect and decency and everything else come by people who recognize him to be the Son of God. And he vindicated his work in all the nations that has believed where that women stand. Just so civilization come by, you don't want to go out climb up to the Statue of Liberty, up to where that big arm is, and out there and there's a bunch of little dead sparrows. If the bells may rise and come, skeptics may rise. I go down here to your museum and they throw me out there the other day. I walked in there, many of these men down here. Went down there and had a hundred thousand years ago what a man was, all the way down to come up out of a tree or something like that. The tree, family tree. And such common rot as that we put up with it to be taught in our schools. Why don't the people in the name of high heaven stand and reject that? Mercy, it's disgrace. No wonder that he hacked out 13 million infidels in the last two years is because such stuff as that. And poor little tender minds. And then you can come to a church where they're trying to preach the gospel and to demonstrate the power of the Holy Ghost. They call it holy rollers and ride them up and all kinds of things that they can say about them. Sure, it's a devil on the rampage, but God's church will never fail. She'll move from victory on to victory until Jesus comes to his God. Hallelujah!
Lord, they come, wings they come, but the church of God will remain forever. He's going into this, as this church, as I'm standing here this afternoon. Hey, man, look at those little sparrows laying there. I said to the guide that was with me, I said, what's the matter with them little birds? He said, they died last night. He said, there's a storm come up, and they're flying around in the storm. Instead, they come into the light, instead of using the light from the Statue of Liberty, they go to peace. They come and try to knock the light out, and they beat against it with their little heads until they beat their brains out, and they're laying there dead because they refused to follow the light but tried to beat it out. I thought, oh, God, what a example it is. And men and women raising up the day and people who are trying to deny God's Bible and Jesus to be the virgin-born Son of God, they're just beating their brains out instead of taking the light, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and marching on to victory and power and overcoming. They're only beating your head now. God's church will remain forever. Upon this spot, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When Peter made his church and take it, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Blessed art thou, Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You never learn it in a seminary. You never learn it from what somebody else said, but my Father, which is in heaven, has revealed this to you. And upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It showed the gates of hell would be against it, but could not prevail. For the church of the living God shall move on. Oh, great church of God, who stands sprinkled today with his blood. How oh, in the Testament, the Old Testament, what a beautiful picture was given of his death, burial, and resurrection. When a man had leprosy, a type of sin, when he was healed by God, he offered two turtle doves. They brought the doves or the pigeons out, they pulled the head of one off, turned him over like this, and bled the blood all over the living mate. And then they took the living mate to the window and turned him loose. And as the living mate went flying his little wings, he bathed the earth with the blood of the dead mate, crying, Holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. The living mate, the husband of the church of God, was Jesus Christ, who was killed on Calvary for a sacrifice for leprosy, cleansing of sin and sickness. And his life and the blood was poured out upon the church, and she's crossing the world today, preaching old time gospel holiness and the power of the resurrection of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Crying, holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. He is the virgin born, no sex connected with it all. He is the Son of the living God. There is my hope, there is my strength, there is my faith built on that right there. And at night time and different times, when I meet demons face to face, there is my faith is built there, which heavens and earth will pass, but that'll never. He is the virgin born Son of the living God. If you don't know him today, find him quickly. Let him come to you and rescue your soul. If there's a shadow of doubt in your mind, if there's only a hope there, take away hope and put faith there in his place. And upon this rock, God will build his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What thanks you of Christ? What does every one of you think? What will you think after service is over tonight? What did you think when it was over last night? What do you think when the revival is over? I believe God is going to send us here to Chicago, and they're returning back from overseas. I'd like to put up... Jack Cole's big tent out here, sitting about 15,000, and stay here about 
three or four or five months so I see Chicago broke the pieces for the glory of God every church united together and the power of God moving in the old places Holy Ghost and Bible preaching the same gospel that Jesus Christ is the Son of God may God grant it is my prayer may God bless you and pray to that end and that's my hope that's my faith that's what I believe that Jesus Christ is the virgin born Son of the living God shall we pray our Heavenly Father, we thank thee today for Jesus, our Son, who has saved us from the life of sin, who has redeemed us by his blood, who has given us eternal life. Lord. And we pray that your blessings will be made known to everyone in here. Yes, oh, eternal one, shed forth thy great wings over this building and make these people know thee not in the pardoning of sin. Hallelujah. And may those here who has not got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, may they receive it right away. Now, while you have your head down in prayer, each one of you, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Have you actually felt the power of God that changed your life and you become a new creature? That's when the egg becomes fertile. That's when you accept Jesus Christ in that way. You become, you say, well, I believe, so does the devil. You say, I've confessed, so does the devil. So do Cain, so do his followers, so do the former churches all along. But my friends, you don't know what it is until Jesus Christ has been resurrected in your heart by the power of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Do you have it? Is it in your heart? While the organ has come to the organ, just a moment, if you will, and the pianist to her place, I want you to be in prayer. And I want to ask you this solemn question. If you haven't got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, will you stand to your feet? Please, Brother Graham, right now I believe that God's going to give me the Holy Spirit. I'm not accepting it. If you're a sinner, stand there. I want to accept him as my personal Savior. If not, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God bless you. They're standing everywhere, everywhere around the building. And that's right, that's right. All right, if they need to help me. Father, please, please, Oh, that's right. That's right. Many are standing. God bless you. Some elderly people. Oh, if you have judged me right to be God's servant, if the Holy Spirit has convinced you that I've told the truth in Christ Jesus, may he grant to you the baptism of the Holy Ghost this afternoon. May this be the... The carnation time of your experience. May God tap it this afternoon with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Friends, we need power today. We need not a revival, not to bring new members in. We don't need new membership, but we need a revival of divine power and joy in the human heart that transforms them away from the things of the world and makes them new creatures. Anyone else would stand before the closing prayer, if you will, stand to your feet. All right. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. May the Lord Jesus Christ grant the blessings of God. Now, while you bow your heads everywhere, if you will, and softly now in prayer. All right. Everyone bow your head now and be in prayer. Everyone. Come, Brother Bosé, and we will see you right now in prayer, if you will. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we have heard the word of God this afternoon. We have gotten the key to the Holy Scriptures. We have been more assured than ever that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And we thank the Lord that thy Holy Spirit shall fall upon these dear friends who have stood up for thee tonight, who have stood up confessing their need of salvation.